I would like to welcome to our podcast, Brandon Rose from Fort Myers, Florida. Brandon has over 50 years experience with sports simulations and fantasy leagues. He is currently the commissioner of one contemporary baseball league, three retro football leagues, as well as being a member of two other baseball leagues. By all accounts, Brandon runs some of the finest and well-respected leagues in the hobby. Brandon is also an athlete, expert on sports, sports history, as well as a collector of sports memorabilia. Brandon, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast. Thanks, Chris, for having me. Brandon, I hope the weather's good in Fort Myers, Florida today. 75 and a little bit of breeze out of the north. (laughs) Great, great. 38 degrees in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Well, again, uh, oh God. thanks again for being my first guest. Very excited to talk to you today. I thought what would be good is start a little bit back with your history with the hobby. It goes back all the way to the 50s. I think everybody yep. like to hear that story because I find it fascinating. Okay, sure. Um, you know, it was a whole different world back in those days. Uh, late 50s, my brother and I, uh, you know, you didn't have 500 uh, television channels. You, you kind of <laughs> had to make, you, you had to make your own entertainment. And um, I grew up in a house, uh, a household with a lot uh, sports was very important. Uh, my dad was in, uh, played golf at the University of Wisconsin, and he loved every sport and probably wished he could have played one of the, the primary sports. But golf ended up really being his his sport that his his passion was uh, tied to. And with that, um, you know, uh, you didn't have all the programming in the evening for kids. Parents controlled. You had one TV. Parents controlled it. My brother and I. Uh, loved sports and about 1962 for christmas uh i got a a game called junior quarterback very simple game not statistics driven uh i think that you had like six or eight plays to choose from uh the dice was the dice roll uh outcomes were based on two dice uh two die uh two through twelve and uh you know you'd call power sweep you'd roll the dice, you'd call short pass, roll the dice. And whatever the number that came up, there was an outcome on the chart that was in the game. And we loved it. Uh, I was nine years old. My brother was uh, seven or eight because we're only a year and a half apart. Well, at the same time, you know, when football season came around, I bought every football magazine with my allowance that I could and football cards and Baseball season was every baseball magazine or baseball cards. And there were, there was these, there were these ads in the back of the street and Smith's and the sporting news for a game called, believe it or not, we used to call it APBA. We didn't know until we bought the game that it was pronounced APA. We oh. thought it, we're, we told my, my mom and dad, when they said, what do you want Santa to bring you? We want him to bring us APBA baseball. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. And, I, and it was only when we bought the game. In fact, before you bought the game, you'd send away and they would send you a brochure for the game, obviously with an order thing on it, but also a sample of whatever sport you were interested in. There'd be a football card. I think the baseball card, the year we got it, the sample card was Harmon Killebrew. And I, I, you can't hold me to that, but I think it was anyway. It's in that brochure that 
they explained it's pronounced APA, not APBA. But anyway, so the first version of that game we got, card set, was 1963 baseball. And I mean, we wore it out because not just my brother and me, but all our neighborhood buddies, because we were all basic. It was all basic. We, we were all at the playground playing ball every day after school or in the summer, whatever season the sport was. And then when the weather was bad living up north, you had to do something indoors. And if you weren't playing uh, lever hockey or electric football or something, you were playing one of these games. And we'd have neighborhood leagues and buddies over on Saturday. And it was just great. And that was my first introduction to the sports simulation game world. Yeah, and from I, I used to remember that little marketing email they would send out with the with the sample card to kind of hook. Yes, that was pretty creative for the time for them, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, Richard Seitz was. He had. He was a visionary. He uh, he was he was really a terrific guy, but he also you know he loved he he was not open to suggestions about his game he pretty much uh the game that he marketed in the 50s was the same game that i was playing in in the in the 60s into the early 70s and it was only then in about the mid 60s about 1966 or 67 appa two brothers out in san mateo california ron and leonard gatos they wanted to come up with a way to tie the whole APA community together because, you know, you didn't have cell phones, you didn't have the internet, you, you know, and, and kids playing games, you, long distance phone calls were through the roof uh, cost wise back in those oh, I, days. Yeah, I remember that. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the, I can still remember my grandparents calling us from when we li- still lived in Wisconsin and they'd be in Florida and my grandparents would call and, They'd be going, well, after three minutes, the charges triple or something. I mean, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> I when you, that. When, yeah, I mean, it was crazy when you think about uh, how it is today. Um, well, so these guys came up with the idea to start a, a newsletter for APA. And the fir- very first version of it was either in 66 or 67. And, they, and it was on eight and a half by 11 paper, mimeographed. And they would have, uh, they had a baseball writer and they, they had a football writer and a basketball writer. And they didn't, those were the only three games Zappa had back then. And, um, they, then on the very back page they had where you could, if you had a foot, if you had a, a league, you could put an ad and say forming a league or it's an existing league and we need new coaches or managers. And it was around 1967, uh, I was 13 years old, that uh, I answered an ad from a guy, Norm Roth, and he lived in Hamilton, Ontario, and he had a baseball league. And I had read about his baseball league uh, in the APA Journal. Uh, he'd send great write-ups and recaps of each month's play and then the World Series. And he also put out a terrific yearbook. His, year, his yearbook for his baseball league was every bit as good as anything street and Smith put out. It was unbelievable. Really? The work, the work this guy put into it. And I still have them. Um, so I answered his ad and, uh, I answered and, and he wrote me back. And the next thing you know, I'm in my very first back in those days, the term was I'm in a mail league because everything you did was by mail. <laughs> uh, imagine trying to cut trades back in those days. You had to, 
send send it in the mail. It took anywhere to Canada could have taken seven to 10 days to, for them to get it and then wait for their response. One trade offer might take two, three weeks before you get a response. And instead of like today with the internet, it's immediate. And um, I didn't know you traded like that. I remember in the big league where your, your my phone bill was more than my rent trying to pull deals off. So I didn't know you had the back and forth mail so, trading. <laughs> so was mine in, in, in the big. And I'll tell you what guys would do back in the 60s and into the early 70s. Instead of sending it in, a le- in an envelope and all that, they would go and buy from the post office. You could buy post Three stamped postcards. Very nice. Save and cut the cost down. Right. It would be like maybe a nickel. And you'd write the trade offer on it and you'd address the front of it and they'd get the post they'd get the US postcard from you and then you'd maybe hear back. It took at least it took a minimum of two weeks just to get a trade negotiation starting because there's no guarantees the guy's gonna take your trade offer right out of the blocks. He might come back with a counter or come back with a no i'm not interested you know and you, and so you're checking the mail every day kind of like you check your email box every day and it, you know uh norm norm was a guy who he was always his league was interesting from a standpoint of we played it was a contemporary league we played in 1967 we played the 1966 season because that was the in 67 it was this card set was the 66 based on the 66 season. Well, Norm wanted to bring in to kind of jazz up every rookie draft. He would bring in two hall of famers from the past. And he would, what he based it on was APA at that time had great teams of the past. And they not only had like an all time a team and B team, they would also have like, the 1927 Yankees, the 1930 Cubs, you know, uh, the Gas House Gang, the Cardinals, one of their great teams in the 30s. So if he put, say, Lou Gehrig and Jimmy Fox into the rookie draft, you got two years for every great team in the past they were on for your team in the Can-Am, which was kind of cool. So Ruth, the Yankees probably had from Ruth's era maybe three teams. So you'd get six seasons of Babe Ruth. And then Norm had Norm just didn't want those guys falling off the face of the earth career wise. He then would make like a wind down career card one, which say the guy went from 40 homers and hitting 330, then no more all time great team player cards. Norm's card then would maybe be three. The guy hit 300 with maybe 25 homers. And then the, then the the year the, his very last year in Can-Am, he might be worth 15 homers and hitting about 280. And he did stuff like that to make it interesting. And so Norm would create the card himself and kind of Norm. Norm wow. Yeah. Norm. If you played APA, it really it was kind of easy to figure out how, you know, how certain every once in a while you get surprise cards or a funny card, but you can pretty much after playing the game for a couple of years, figure out, you know, the, what the, what the 36 side uh, dice roll grid would be. And the hard part was figuring out what their uh, defensive rating would be and, and stuff like that, mainly defensive rating. And anyway, so then Norm 
did that for a couple of years. And then he got with a guy named John Brodak and John, John and Norm had the two best baseball leagues that Appa had male, male baseball leagues. John John's was called the Atlantic and Pacific baseball association, a play on the acronym Appa and Norm was Can-Am baseball league. And, um, they ended up being friends and, uh, tossed around some ideas back and forth about how app is a really good game, but boy, you could really do a lot more with it. You could, uh, make the batter face, have everything start with the pitcher, not the batter and things like that. Cause that's what baseball is. Baseball is the only sport where the defense starts the action. The pitcher has to pitch the ball. So they went with that concept They put a bunch of ideas together as far as base running, uh, making fielding more important than just one number against a guy's running speed and stuff like that. You had like to turn double plays. You had to, you added the shorts, whoever fielded the ball, his fielding number was added to whoever he was relaying the ball to. If it was third to second, to first or short to second, to first or second short to first, you added those numbers versus the base runner speed. Which is always an, it was also an interesting concept and more depth to the game. One thing leads to another. They decide maybe Richard Seitz would be interested in some of these changes for APA. Their fallback plan, if that if it wasn't met with open arms, they'd make them an offer for APA baseball. So they did. They, they went to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is where APA was located in those days. And they met with Richard and uh, presented presented the game. They had some of the changes to the game, and it wasn't it wasn't met with open arms. Uh, Richard cites it, it, it's like all it's like most of the guys you and I've run into over the course of time who who have invented a game or designed a game. It's it's like one of their children, and they don't want to hear that their their kid has pro, their kid has issues. <laughs> Uh, you know, and we can make we could help your kid be a better person. Well, we could make your game be a better game. And he didn't want to hear that. And he was pretty. So he he was he was the top dog in town because was was Stratomatic in in the run. Stratomatic was big, okay. but I don't think this. I don't think the Stratomatic community was as big as the Appa community. Okay. Um, and I, I can't say that, but I, I just from my experience, I've always known more Appa players than Stratomatic, but. Once again, that's that's the world that I played the game in. I mean, maybe if I'd played Stratomatic, I'd be saying, "Oh no, we had the bigger, bigger gaming community." But that's still interesting because Norm and Brodak they saw an opportunity there. Yes, but they had all the intentions of possibly buying Appa because that's kind of a that, that would have been interesting. But he he had no and intentions they, of selling ever, right? He no that was his no. No, and I think if I'm if I'm remembering it right, they only they only were interested in the baseball game. They they were not interested in other sports. Norm wasn't a Norm wintered down. I live in the Fort Myers area, actually Fort Myers, and uh, Norm wintered down here. So I actually got to meet Norm several times. Uh, in fact, uh, when sites turned them down, uh, both to offer their input on APA baseball going forward and or buying APA baseball outright from Richard, they already had a game of their own on the drawing board 
And that's what became replay baseball. And um, it's, it's a 36, it's a 36 uh, number grid. Uh, and they implemented with they implemented with replay, all the things that they wanted to do for APA or with APA and very successful. And Norm was the game designer and John did the printing and the marketing and distribution. And when Norm came down, uh, I played replay before it ever hit the streets. I played it two winters in a row with Norm play testing it, um, like in 1970 and 71. And I think they introduced it to the world in 1973, I think. But, uh, yeah, I played it, I played it in its infancy before it was, uh, uh, you know, oh, for the public, public, public to buy. Because and I loved it. it well, I your, loved it. That's what I was going to say. In your opinion, that still ends up being one of the better sports simulations you've run into, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And, and, and once it became, once it was available to the public, I never played APA baseball again. So my, I didn't play APA baseball after 1973. Uh, the game that I, the, the game that I played the most, and it was funny because it depends. It depends what day you ask me what my favorite sport is. I I love them all. Uh, but baseball was like my first sport, uh, both to play and to play, play sports simulation games. But I, I played uh, APA football from 1969 and, until 1989. Uh, I had a league, a local league here in the Fort Myers area for 20 years, 20 seasons. Now that was the one where everybody showed up. You played the games head to head. Yes, and, and it, that was a big deal because I remember you used to tell me about that. Yes, yes, it was great, and uh, it, you know, it, was, it started out. It was a ten-team league. Uh, it was a ten-team league, and we try to keep. We didn't want it to be an all-star league, and then uh, as we got to know more guys in the area, uh, the league grew. It grew to the at the end in 1989. It was a twenty-team league. And, um, the only reason it, it really came to an end was, um, you know, the advent of the internet and the, or the advent of, uh, you know, games on, you know, DOS version of these games that made it just so much easier, uh, than rolling dice and looking at a card and looking at a chart and, uh, get, to get the out, the play outcome. But I got to tell you, there's times when I play now, <laughs> I'd almost like to go back to that. Cause I I've always felt. I can roll, I can roll better numbers than you. <laughs> my players might not, my players might not be as good as yours, but I'm going to roll the really, I'm going to roll some really good numbers for my guys and we're going to win. But I just remember the stat keeping back in those days, man, that was oh, a lot horrible. of, that was a lot of work. Oh Lord. It was, it was, and sending out instructions. Uh, I still, I still, you know, it was like, you know, you'd be sitting and, you know, you'd get the, you'd get the league newsletter. And you'd see the schedule and, and there'd be a deadline. Make sure you're a pump, make sure you're. And if you remember, we played in those days uh, a month at a time. We played a whole block of games and it was a month. So you had all of April. So you'd have to send your, inst you might have seven opponents in April. You'd have to send out seven sets of instructions. Uh, you know, and like most, most of us, we got a, a real life away from our, our hobby. And how many times were you sitting on a Friday and everything needed to be uh, to the commissioner the next Friday. And you're going, oh, my God, I've got to play 
you know, 16 games or 15 games between and do all the stats, like you said, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, you know, it wasn't, you couldn't make multiple copies. You had to go out and get carbon. I don't even know if carbon paper exists anymore. You'd use carbon paper. Cause you, you had to, these... cause you had to send one to your opponent at the end of the, right. you exactly. had to keep one. You had to send one to the commissioner. Right. Yeah. It was... Right. See, and that was the beauty of having John then, well, then what happened is uh, they came out with replay in 73. And I, I, I really, I really got away from playing uh, baseball uh, until 1983. Uh, I, I really got into playing Apple football uh, because I formed this football league and I, I um, formed it in 1969 and put so much work into it that um really got away from, I still love baseball, but got away from being in any baseball leagues. And then in about 1983, I get a phone call one night because John also, at the same time that John and Norm, let me backtrack a little bit. John and Norm, when they were really big in the APA world, John also came up, he had his own newsletter. You had the Gatos brothers who had the APA journal and John had APA scoreboard and I wrote for John's APA scoreboard. And that's, that was when, that was when I built, got a relationship going with him and all that. And, and so when they got replay going, I, I, I still stayed in touch with Norm through the years because he came and wintered here. And every once in a while I'd go up and, and we'd play replay the world series and stuff like that in through the eighties or seventies. And then about 1983, one night I'm at home and the phone rings and it's John Brodat out of the clear blue sky. Hadn't, uh, hadn't talked to him probably in about four or five years. And he's like, I got this baseball league called uh, the big league. Uh, I own three grocery stores. We had a major flood here in Pennsylvania. Uh, my three of my, two of my stores got flooded out. I can't run the big league anymore. Norm mentioned that you might be interested uh, in joining the big league uh, and you might may, you might want to consider running it <laughs> at the same time. So I said no to running it. Another guy took over and was the commissioner when John stepped down for a year or two, it's, uh, for like two years. I wanted to get my feet wet being in a baseball league again. Uh, and I did, and then I took over as the commissioner of the big league in 1986 and ran it until about 2013. And um, it was a great experience. Uh, I got to, you know, a whole different group of guys um, because with my local football league, I only knew the guys that I knew here in town. I, I really had gotten away from being in a, quote, male league uh, and interacting with guys from all over North America. Like when I was in Norm's baseball league, Can-Am, I mean, I was 14 years old when I joined that league and I was, I was the youngest guy in the league by like almost double. I think the next youngest guy was like 26 or 28 years old. And, um, you know, I'm, I, and, and what was great about Norm was Norm believed in, calling everybody at least once a month that was in the league and just talking with them. And here I am some 14 year old kid and I'm talking with, and Norm was probably in his mid thirties. You know, I thought he was a hundred years old when you're 14 and uh, it was great. And I, 
it was, it was, I, I learned so much from all those guys and so many good things, but I also learned not bad things, but things that I wouldn't tolerate once I started running leagues. Cause I, I ran a local league, which, you know, like you said, we, we got together on Saturday afternoon and, you know, we're all friends and it's a whole different environment. Uh, you know, somebody starts acting, acting up, uh, you tell them to knock it the hell off, you know, right. you know, it's just, a, it's just a game. But when you're in a league and you don't know everybody and you did have some bad players, Norm had a guy in his league that ended up, he was an attorney. Uh, he ended up doing like 15 years in, uh, I don't know if in Canada, they call it federal prison, but he embezzled money from his clients and he ended up doing 15, 15 years in prison in Canada. Was his team any good? His name was Bill Maranac. I'll never forget his name. And he was a really good guy. We always used to, in fact, even though we had to mail crap back and forth, he and I would always make one or two trades every off season. He was a very fair guy to trade with. Yeah. He always had good teams. And um, I'll never forget when Norm called me up and he goes, you're not going to believe what happened to Bill Maranac. Well, you know, when you hear that opening line, you're thinking, Oh my God, did he die? Right. Or was, you know, and you know, by then I was probably, I was probably maybe 17 or 18 years old. I was still so much younger than all those guys. This guy was an attorney. He was probably in his forties. I go, Norm, no, I, what, what happened to Bill? They just, <laughs> he just went into prison. He just got sentenced <laughs> to 15 years in prison. And I go, what did he do? I go, he was embezzling money from clients. Wow. But, uh, and I never heard, I never, I, when I walked away from Appa baseball and even though Norm and John started replay, I never got, I just, I was so wrapped up in football and, um, you know, at the same time I, I started, I had a family started and my, my gaming, it affects all of us. Your, your, your free time to be involved in this hobby, you know, yourself, there's a delicate balance between family time and your hobby time. Cause you can really, you know, how many times has your wife said to you, are you in the old days? Every time I see you, you're staring at a stack book. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and it really took a lot of time back then compared to now. And it, my wife still yeah. gives me the same, the same question. Right. A lot easier today. And like you, you, you made it, you made a great comment earlier when you said your phone bill was higher than your rent or mortgage. Oh my God. You know, I'll, and I'll never forget, when, never forget oh. that. And I, I was at Troy University and my wife's going, our rent's 185, our phone bill's 200. What are you doing with this Bingo. baseball thing? Very good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, think about it. We're all that young and we didn't we didn't have we didn't have two, three hundred bucks for a phone bill back in those days. It was fun. Though. It was fun trading that way. And it was fun oh. meeting the guys and talking to them because I'll never forget yes. that it, it, i i really enjoyed the, the bantering on trying to make a deal it's a little tougher to do via email but that was fun. It, it is be, it, it is because it is uh and you're right uh there's a couple things about this hobby that that, that the the internet has just made so easy but then there's things it's taken away that have really taken a lot of the personal side away from it like like you just pointed out in fact jeff stainfield and i were talking about it the other day i said uh, well, actually, my wife brought it up uh, last weekend. She goes, my Lord, for like 20 years, this com 
we had the big league draft, which we hosted here in Fort Myers at my home for the big league, Martin Luther King weekend. We did that from 1988 until 2013. So like last weekend, she goes, my Lord, all those years right now we'd be getting, and she loved it. She loved all the guys. And and we had out of in a 24 team league, we had a couple of years where we had 14 to 18 guys come from all over the country for that weekend. Yeah, that's and a, heck uh, of a turnout because I remember one year we did it at Bill Jelk's house. What and, we would and, do and would, was that well, Niceville, Florida, like yes, late 80s yes. or something and, and, like that. Y- yes. And what that was, that's what was great about the big league. We, um, I hosted the rookie draft weekend in January and Bill started out hosting the playoffs. Uh, and that's, that's what you what it came was. in that's for. That's what it was. Okay. That was, and fun. it would be, Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. And, and we'd drive up Ralph Geiger, Jeff Stainfield, me, uh, Doug Toby, uh, you know, we'd, we'd drive all night to get to Niceville because we'd leave around 10 at night. I usually had a softball game the night we'd leave Thursday and I'd come home and shower and uh, Jeff or Ralph would rent a, a, a six or a six pass, six or eight passenger van. So we had plenty of room to stretch out and then we'd head up, we'd head up I-75 to I-10 to either. And then later on, Mark Hederick hosted it at his place in Pensacola. And those were those were two great those were two great weekends to look forward to every year. And it just made it easier because you could play the guys face to face. The majority of guys would be here for the rookie draft. You'd be making the picks live. If you for the rookie draft, you had probably six, eight guys you had to call up and and get their pick. And you know, you had the old ring twice and hang up and right. then they'd call back and You'd have to read off all the names of who got drafted since they picked last. I mean, think of all those things in those days versus how we're right now in the midst of a uh, the ninth round of a rookie draft. It started about uh, 13 days, 14 days, 12 days ago, something like that. And, and, and we've made all those picks on the Internet, uh, you know, on, via email and how painless it's been. Yeah, it's moved along, moved along quite well, actually. With no time limit. Well, you know, you know what's funny? I, when I joined back your Rosenblatt League, and in a full disclaimer, I'm in three of the league's uh, Brandon hosts, and, and they're, they're very well run. I, I kind of expected, because, uh, you know, there's really no charge to call anybody, there'd be more trades via the phone. But in, in, uh, I'm in the w, but WBA with, and Mark Hedrick's actually in that league. I, I have... I haven't heard from Mark until he joined the WWBA the same time as me. I thought there'd be more of the calling. There's a little bit in that league, kind of none in ours. Does that surprise you? Or do people just like going back and forth and making deals on email? Is that just the way people do it? It's all email. Uh, I tell you what, um, I can't think of the last time in any of the three football leagues or the Rosenblatt that I run or the TML, which I'm in the TML Contemporary run by Jim Pratera, and he also has a Hall of Fame league, which is has an interesting concept. Never a phone call. It's all email. Uh, that's the other thing you miss. I mean, it, you know, because you kind of, you got to know, you know, you call me, hey, how, how are your kids doing? How, how are you doing? You know, you don't. You don't get a lot of that with the, with when you're communicating via email. I mean, unless you really know the person. 
but like some of the guys that I only, I just know their name. Um, I don't know if they're married. I don't know if they have kids. I don't know. A lot of them, I don't even, I, I try to guess what age they are based on some of the stuff they write me. But even that where, you know, th- the phone, the phone was great because if I called you, I, I'll never forget one. The first, when I joined the big league after John called me and I joined the very first phone call I made to make a trade was to chick Wade. And, uh, it was great. I mean, we ended up talking for about 45 minutes. We ended up cutting the trade and I got to know all kinds of stuff about him. You know, uh, he was an, an administrator with the, uh, with Auburn university, uh, you know, just a great guy. And those are the things you don't get without the phone call with, with no phone calls, unfortunately. You know, going back to John Brodak, the replay games, what ended yeah. up happening? What ended up happening to that game? Cause it, it, it was a real good game. It sounded like John and Norm kind of had the background for the game design. Did it just go away? No, it still exists. It does. Uh, John, yeah, John's John is no longer. Now I, I don't, I had a falling out with John in 1989 uh, because even though he wanted to step away from being the commissioner of the big league, he stayed in as he stayed in as a, uh, a, ma- a member and a manager of a team. And, um, John's, John's a very successful businessman in Western Pennsylvania. And John's used to calling the shots and John's used to no one telling him no. And, uh, he had a very hard time, even though he couldn't run the league, not having a say in how the league was run. And so he and I eventually had one issue, one, one issue too many came up and he got unceremoniously tossed out on his ass. (laughs) I remember that weekend. It was a wild day. (laughs) Yeah, it was a wild day. It was wild. And, uh, one that even my wife won't forget because what I did was the Brodak and impeachment trial essentially was it. (laughs) It was, uh, I call, well, I called Bill, I called Bill Jelks because I knew I, I knew I knew there was I, I once again, I, I guess I knew, but I didn't know. I didn't know who really was in John's camp and who was in the big leagues camp. I wouldn't say me being my camp, but who wanted the big league to keep going or who wanted to stick with John? So Bill Jelks was integral in helping me uh, get that all shored up by calling half the managers, half the membership. I called the other half, except for John's three cronies who were also employees of his. Um, Everybody wanted the big league to survive and wanted me to run it. And let's move forward Uh, because there had been four or six very good members of the big league who left over the course of time uh, from 1983 to 1989 because of John. Did you Uh, you get most of those guys back? And that's what our, that's yes. That's what I, in fact, Mark Hederick was one of those guys. Uh, Mark Hederick had left the big league because of John. And uh, so I, I asked Bill when I called Bill up and I said, look, the big's either going to survive or not. Here's what's going on. And Bill didn't miss a beat. He said, what can I do? Uh, I want the big to survive. I said, look, take half the membership. You take, we had a, we had a manager's directory with like 
12 managers in one side of the page and 12 on the other said, you take the left side, I'll take the right side. You call everybody, I'll call everybody and I'll call you tonight. Let's see what we got. And I, and at the same time there, so then when he called me that night and he goes, Brandon, every, except for, there were, there were three guys who worked in, in uh, John's grocery stores that they, they all said they'd like to stay, but they said if they, if John got tossed and they stayed, he, he'd fire them from their regular jobs. I'll never forget the one guy, Chris, who sentence. That's almost word for word what he said to me. Well, Bill, that night when I talked talk to Bill and I said, look, we got, we got uh, 16 of the 20 are sticking it out. I go, how about the guys who left in the last five, six years? Well, Bill knew all of them. I really didn't. I didn't know Ron Parker that well. I didn't know uh, Mark Hederick. Um, Chick Wade was one of the guys. Um, and as it turned out, that's who. That's how Steve Bradshaw ended up coming to the league. Um, I can't remember how I got George Mallory. But the next thing you know, John's out. And we now had, it went from a 20, we had, we had to, we had to contract the league because so many guys dropped out. It went from a 24 team league when I took it over in like 85 to a 20 team league to where that all blew up with John. We went back to being a 24 team league and eventually a 26 team league. Uh, The environment changed, um, you know, uh, guys, word of mouth guys were in other leagues with, you know, and then John, because all that happened and why I don't really know how replay ended up and how it ended up not in John's hands anymore. I don't know if he just walked away from it. He's he's gotten very involved in flying mini airplanes, remote control airplanes and stuff. Huge in that world. So he might have gotten away from the sports simulation world altogether i think he has plus he's probably a lot older now i'd say john's probably in his late 70s would be my guess um we switch john sold us the game for two more years and then refused to sell us the game by about 1991 or 92 and that's when we went to uh uh an alternative game we went to diamond mine and i i can't remember the years of uh Chris Klug's game or Jerry Klug, whichever you want to go by uh, ASG baseball. I can't remember what years those were. I think those were in the mid nineties, weren't they? They were. And that's when you kind of switched from that's, that's when you made the switch to the computer simulations, yes. right? Yeah. Got away from that. Uh, yeah. That was a big switch away from the cards. He, he stopped producing ASG baseball, which was a very good game. Um, and then he, um, he might have done like one year of diamond dreams as a, as a, what'd you have a 10 sided die and a 20 sided die uh, Mm -hmm. that, that generated the action. Um, And it was such a good, I mean, that game design to me was the, that was the best baseball game design as good as replay was uh, diamond dreams. The, the one with the uh, uh, 10 and 20 sided die that, that triggered the action Best, best sports sim uh, outside of <laughs> another sport. Jim Mickey uh, fast break basketball, but the the diamond diamond uh, diamond dreams uh, with the die and the 
cards and the uh, chart book. Fantastic. It really made the thing I always liked about that game was the value it placed on pitching. To me, I always felt all the other games um, offense seemed to like get like a little bit of a nod over pitching and defense where I thought Klug really hit it. Not to be cliche, I really thought he hit a home run with the way, like if you remember how those cards looked, the pitcher had a tw- had 20 numbers that that started the action. You rolled the 20-sided die, and you'd look down the pitcher's X, X grid, I think, and that would tell you what column on the hitter was going to be used. And he had automatic outs on that pitcher's card. So if you had a guy like, if you had a Nolan Ryan, he might have four or five, six Ks on that, on his X grid. Your batter would never even get to swing the bat. And, and that even made your, your, your high strikeout, unlike today where they all have a lot of strikeouts. If you had a big strikeout reliever set up or closer, you literally it'd get to the eighth and ninth inning and, and, and six out of 20 numbers could be a K. <laughs> I just thought that really, that the, the way that worked, it just made that those pitchers that much as valuable as a guy who was a big average or power slugger. Yeah. Cause just, you made a comment. Well, you made a comment to me when we were in our pre-call about diamond mind and, and not valuing the relievers, the closers. That's what, Closer. with, with Tom yeah. Tippett, right? That, yeah. that, did, that didn't make a lot of sense to you. Didn't like it. I, 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 it really, it, you know, and okay, if someone wants to come out with, I mean, you know how statistics work. You can make everything look good or bad. But it's just in, in my following baseball for, you know, I'm 67. I mean, I followed baseball seriously for, for argument's sake, 50, 55 years. How many times have you seen a guy have a great year as a reliever? The next year, the closer gets hurt or the closer signs with a new team or something like that. And they go, well, this guy was dynamite as our middle inning guy or setup guy. Why don't we just, you know, move him into the closer role? The guy goes into the closer role and he, he, he can't get out of his own way because the pressure is so much different. Ninth inning, how many times do you have to come in? Like when, when, when Craig Kimbrell was going great guns or how a role this Chapman, you guys, your Cubs wouldn't have won a World Series without him. No, not at all. You put Strope in that role and the ball's going up the backstop. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chapman was the shutdown guy as long as uh, yeah. Madden didn't put him oh, in for three innings. Oh, my God. And, and wait, you know, we can both, you know, with, with our knowledge of the game, I mean, I can go back to when, you know, when I was a kid, the Yankees had a guy, Luis Arroyo, in like 1961. Take a look at his numbers sometime. That 61 Yankee team, even though Maris and Mantle are, you know, hitting 61 and 54 homers, Arroyo was absolutely lights out as the Yankee closer. And they didn't even really call him closers in those days. But he'd come in and pitch the eighth and ninth inning because you didn't those days. Think of Goose Gossage. You had Goose Gossage on your team in the old days. <laughs> You know, you're going to win the game, and, the, and there were other. There well, the were other Bruce Suter, the Bruce Suter forkball. Remember that? There you go. Right, right, right. And you know, how many times 
those guys get hurt or or they they hurt their they obviously hurt or they they get traded or some, or all of a sudden they have an off season and they try somebody else in that closer role and it doesn't work and and that that did turn me off with diamond mind uh you know and i it, i never played it as a board game i had heard over the years was it developed from pursue the pennant is that true or is that just that's my understanding yeah yeah uh and i heard pursue the pennant as a board game was absolutely spectacular yeah because tom Tippett's uh, I, a pretty well respected game designer is, is oh absolutely i i i would never it's just that's how he feels about it about closers and i but most of the guys that i most of the guys that are in the Rosenblatt, the, one of the things they and they and a lot of them are former Diamond Mine players. The one thing they really liked about Action PC Baseball when I said we're not playing Diamond Mine baseball, we're going to give, and that's when I contacted you a few years ago because I was hoping maybe you could resurrect um, Diamond Dreams because uh, I didn't know how that all ended, and uh, then you 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 talked about um, out of the park. Uh, and things like that. And we, we shared a lot of things. And then I settled on action PC baseball. And one of the things that several of those guys said, also being diamond mine players, was that they liked the idea that the closer uh, is rated as a close. He's, you know, diamond mine has them rated. As, they, they'll give the position as closer, but there's no extra uh, boost to their performance or importance to their position. Uh, where there is it's it's in the fatigue part i think and the clutch clutch stuff with uh action pc baseball and uh because you'll see where it's closer and it'll have like one plus or two pluses and it's like you know obviously guys like chapman and and uh kimbrell when he was going great guns they got you know two plus signs and stuff like that and and that gives me if i get one of those guys i've got something you don't have I just don't have a role. There were too many times in diamond mine too, Chris, when I played in with the big and the TML guys would just load up on any, any kind of relievers with great numbers. And they were using guys as a closer who wasn't a closer. And I always thought, you know, the guy, the guy built his numbers as the middle inning guy or the setup guy. He really wasn't the closer. And they'd have like three or four of those guys. And you, They'd, they'd start, they'd let their starter go five and then they'd bring in this parade of guys with, you know, whips under one. And it's like, oh my God. Okay. But the last guy isn't really a closer. <laughs> yeah. And it, 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 to your point, it, it, it doesn't make sense. How, how did you find action PC baseball and Dave Koch sports? It's funny. Uh, through, uh, through a friend in the TML, uh, which is a, a, a long running uh, started in 1979 by Jim Fortera and Mike Landon. Uh, great baseball league. They started out like us, like the big playing the big league playing uh, replay baseball. And um, then they morphed in the, in the Klugs game. Uh, I think, did you know Mike short? Yes. That name's real familiar. Sure. Mike short was going to, do his own game and then i think he found out what it takes to well, <laughs> create let, something let, like let that me, and, let, and support it wasn't mike short chris klug's software developer didn't he help him write that game is that 
were those two I think connected? he did. Yes. That's, yes. That's how I remembered him because I yes. I would get the source code from him, yes. and I yes. think those two parted ways. And so when they did. when I took it they, over, it was a little tough for him to engage to help me. They, they what happened on. is Mike Short is why both the TML and Big League left replay. We left replay because of what happened with John Brodak, but Mike was a driving force. So our leaving, our leaving replay um, would have happened anyway. The TML left because Mike Short did not like Diamond Mine baseball at all and was very close with Jim Proterra and Mike Landon. And he introduced them to ASG baseball and, and uh, Jerry Klug before Jerry changed his name to Chris. And uh, um, that started that whole relationship. And you're right. Mike then really got into the game developing part with Klug. And when it was going from a board game to a DOS DOS ver the DOS version. Because that was a and, heck of an undertaking. And see then Mike, I think Mike wanted to take similar to you. Mike wanted to take Mike saw that the game had a lot it was a great game and but there were things and and what you and I talked about a while ago, um how Klug wanted to have like an alternate universe and the baseball, his game would actually be like its own world um, where short and those guys, they wanted it to be just what it is using today's players and also retro players, retro seasons, because the game engine and design were fantastic. Um, similar to what we're doing with all the retro football leagues with action PC football and, and now the Rosenblatt with a contemporary baseball league. Um, you know, you want to get as realistic performances, but also be able to coach, the, coach the sport, not really have the game lead you, you lead the game. Um, from a, from that, a business standpoint, you'd have probably had a larger market going down the fantasy world route, you know, where, cause, cause he envisioned people getting in trouble and going through life's journey as long as, as, right. as well as being a baseball player. But then there's the market of, Hey, I just want to be in a retro league or a, right. a modern day game. And I just want the, I just want the players to perform like they did. And there's I wanna, a, those I are wanna, two different wanna, markets. Right. Right. I want to manage Mike Trout. I, I don't want to manage Joe Blow. Who's a fictitious, exactly. you know, right. Player who, you know, he can't, he can't stay out of strip clubs and uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, that, and that, on the and on the police blot. I mean, it's like yeah, that's a PlayStation game somewhere. Exactly right. right exactly yeah. right. But um, yes, Mike Short. So that whole thing, that was that whole deal with the TML, and um, you know, they um, getting back to you asking me how I got hooked up with Action PC. So about two thousand two or two thousand three. One of the guys, and you'll know this name, Pat Barry. He's in the football leagues. Oh, yeah. He's also in, and and I've met Pat. Uh, I've been I've been to uh, with with uh, five or six of my best friends here in Fort Myers, who we all grew up together, played every sport together. Uh, we have gone 
uh, seven times to the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame induction weekend in Cooperstown. And each time we've gone, uh, we started going in like 1996. Each time we've gone, we've landed in Albany, New York, and we spent the first day at Saratoga Racetrack and then driven over to Cooperstown on Friday. And uh, I've met plan. I've good met, plan. I like that. It's a yeah, it was awesome. And I and Pat Barry's met up with us each time because he lives in Albany. He lives in the Capital District up there, Schenectady, Albany, Schenectady. So Pat, Pat started telling me in like 2002, we because we'd be at we always before I met him, our emails would always be a lot of personal stuff like wives, family other sports were interested in. I knew he was a big uh, Patriots fan and loved the Packers when he was a kid. And I, so we shared that stuff. He approached me one time. He goes, look, have you ever played any of the action PC sports games? And I no, I haven't played any of them. And he goes, I'm in a football league. Um, it's really a good game. Uh, commissioner's an okay guy. Uh, you ought to you ought to buy the game and at least see if you like it and if may, maybe you'd want to get in this football league, and that's really what did it. Um, I finally about a, he, it took a whole year till I finally bought the game, played it a few times uh, versus the computer coach. Um, Pat, I told Pat I got it, I got in that league, uh, and the guy who ran the league was a schlemiel. I mean, this guy, bad, not, not a, not a people person at all. And like, there was no, you know, it's like, okay, he'd like send stuff, he'd send stuff out on a Monday and you might not hear from him till the following Friday. And it might be roster cuts or all kinds of no attention to detail. Let me just put it that way. And also it was a league where they had, (laughs) a three person committee to approve trades. <laughs> I hate that. I hate so that. Do I. I, the, so do the I. The other league I was in when you're in, you're in, you're in probate the first year you're in and your trades get approved and man, that yeah. used to drive me crazy. Oh yeah. 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 Right. And it's, uh, that's exactly what happened. I, I got in a retro league and the team I had, I had Sonny Jurgensen. This is like 1964, 63 or 64. And um, guy approaches me. He goes, I'm a red, I'm a, a big Redskin fan my whole life. Uh, would you trade Sonny Jurgensen? I'm thinking, I'm not, this guy better have a good quarterback. So I looked at his roster. Well, <laughs> he had Bart Starr. Love Bart. Life Love Bart. From Green Bay Packer fan here, shareholder. Uh, that's where I'm from. One for one. I said, look, I said, look, I know Jurgensen plays till has better years going through like 74 or 72 or some, whatever it was. And stars pretty much shot after the 68 season, 60 solo. He played till 71, but I said, I'll, I'll do it. Even up guy comes right back deal send the trade in here's the kind of commissioner it was with his with his three-person trade committee so the database comes out for the next play week 
and I'm playing, and I'm of all things, I'm playing the guy who we I cut the trade with. So we go to kick the game off. <laughs> you don't have Bart. <laughs> I got Jurgensen, and he's got Bart Starr. We pull the plug on the game. We're both like, the guy's like, "What's going?" And I said, "I, I, because I, I, I copied, I copied him, uh, you know." So we contact the commissioner. And the guy comes back and he goes, oh, uh, uh, the trade committee said no. That's a dumb trade. Who would trade Sonny Jurgensen for Bart Starr when Starr's only got, you know, three good seasons left or four good seasons left and Jurgensen has seven? It's like, well, I'm a Packer fan. I'm, I quit the league right then and there. Well, the guy that I cut the deal with, here's, here's how strange things happen in life, Chris. I've played maybe up to that point, I had played four or five games against the computer coach. I had played one game in this league. We contacted the commissioner. They pulled, he, they, they uh, canceled the trade. The commissioner didn't even tell us. We found it out when we went to play our next week's game. I resigned. And the other guy of all things, his name was Lee Welch. And Lee emails me. I resigned too. Have you ever thought about running your own football league? I said, well, I did, but it was, it was a male league. It was playing Apple football. I've never, and I, I didn't know any of the administrative stuff with the game, which is, you know, it's critical. I mean, you know, how do you zip the zip up the database, send it to everybody make trades, draft players. There's all kinds of stuff that I know. I, I'm, I know more about that football game than probably everybody that plays it because just doing the administrative stuff. I said, you know, I, I, I never have, but I've had a great idea for a football league and I've just never pulled the trigger on it. And he goes, I've got a guy who knows the game. I got a buddy who knows the game inside out who will help you with the administrative part of it. And that way you'll learn it and you'll get, you can get the league off the ground. I said, let's do it. So I contacted everybody and anybody I knew big guys in the big league. He contacted all the guys. And I said, try to get guys that are, are going to be good guys. I don't want a bunch of troublemakers and all this. So that's how the Odyssey Football League. Ah, based on the Bart Star trade. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I had been, I don't think I told you the original Odyssey Football League. When I played APA football, I had my own football league. But a guy came up with an, I didn't know anything about retro anything. While I'm playing Apple football, probably in the early seventies, a guy put an ad in John's uh, Apple scoreboard newsletter. And it was a guy named Jim fish. And he, Apple, Apple introduced the football game. in I think 1957, 57 or 58. What he did was, and you couldn't buy the old sets because they only printed. They didn't know how popular the football game would be. And when they introduced the football game, they only, I think, printed like a couple hundred sets. 
So they were all sold out. So what he did was, he probably would, could have gotten arrested for copyright law, uh, copyright infringement. He had the 50, he had every card set from 1957 to say 1971, which maybe this is when he formed it. He Xeroxed off all these sets of cards, Xeroxed them. And he put an ad in the paper that he wanted to start a football league with the 1957 season playing forward year round until we, until they caught up with the current year. And he would provide, he would provide this, uh, nine, he would provide 1957 through 1971 as the seasons went forward. Cause from 71 on, you could actually buy the card set from Apple. And he named the football, his name of the foot, his football league was named the Odyssey football league. Enjoy the journey or something like that. And I always liked that concept. The league fell apart. We got, <laughs> I think we got into like week four, we got into like week four of the season and it totally collapsed. Gosh, that's quick. The quick demise. You know, the, the, the football game just wasn't great for the, the football game just wasn't great for a male league it, it, it you know the instructions you had to send out um to play a football game solitaire was mind-numbing oh i could imagine but for all those years from like 1971 i always liked that concept the odyssey football league enjoy the journey so when that whole thing happened like in 2003 or 2000 might have been 2004 2005 when I got, when I was in that league, I thought, you know what? My first league, we're going to start in 1960. We're going to put the AFL and the NFL players all together in a common pl- team, common player draft playing forward. And we'll do two uh, football seasons, a calendar year. And uh, two guys, Lee Welch gave me the idea. And then it was a guy named Steve Zuccaro, who was terrific. Uh, Steve um, did know the game, does know the game, inside out, upside down. He and I would be on the phone for hours, uh, him showing me stuff, telling me how I should do stuff. There were a lot of things that he offered up that I did use uh, when I got started, when we started out, because I didn't really know the game and I really wanted to make it. I wanted to make, I wanted to use the old kiss method, keep it simple, stupid. I didn't want to have a bunch of rules. He, he had a, he had a, uh, a, a constitution from a football league he had been in that he thought that that was the best constitution. He sent it to me. I looked at it. I modified it some. It was, uh, it had less artificial crap. Like you didn't have a trade committee. You know, you didn't have any of that kind of crap. You just basically played action PC football right out of the box. Your team is your team. You destroy it, you got to live with it. And at the time, it was funny because action football, I don't think it really had that big. I I don't think it had been that many years into when, when Dave Koch introduced action football. And Steve said a funny thing to me. Uh, he goes, like one season into it, he goes, man, we're off. What a great first season. Great group of guys. But he goes, you know what's going to happen? This league's going to run its course. And my experience 
if you can get four or five really good seasons of a retro league before you really start having issues with membership, you'll be lucky. Well, the Odyssey is getting ready to getting ready to play its 29th season. That's unbelievable. I thought it was, 20, yeah. well, I, I thought it was interesting. The emails uh, that went around this week, kind of highlighting the work you've done in this hobby in, in the amount of respect the members have for how well you run these leagues. I don't know. I, I thought they were very heartfelt and, uh, yeah, as, it, they were. If people, if people have not been in a non-Brandon league, uh, they'll know how much we appreciate being in a Brandon Rose run league. And I, I always worry if I don't get, I, I, I'm in three of your leagues. If I don't get those three emails each day, I'm like, uh-oh, what's, <laughs> what's wrong with Brandon? But I hope you're – In the offseason – I know you're proud the, of how well those leagues are run, and, you know, we, uh, yeah. we just love being members of your league. And and you know what? I I, I will always – whenever I thank the, the whole group, it, it the leagues really are a testimony to the membership because I've had troublemakers. And there have been guys that have gotten in all my leagues and it's just the way the world works. You know, if you, uh, you know, you got a job, you got a crappy boss, you got a crappy, uh, whatever, uh, staff, you know, you get, there's always somebody that, uh, is miserable and they're going to want, and they want to make everybody else around them miserable. Or you got the person that they can do it bigger and better and better than you can. And it's like, Okay, go ahead, have at it. And, you know, if you can, good. But <laughs> I think my track, I think the track record of all the leagues, I, of the leagues I run speak for themselves. I don't have to go around telling everybody that I know how to do it bigger and better and better. And the fact of the matter is, it's the culmination of a lot of things I've taken from all the leagues I've been in, in my own experience. Uh, you and I talked about this one another last time. Uh, I'd love to say, Hey, Chris, <laughs> I came up with every idea on how to run all these leagues. And it's, it's not true. I mean, I, I, I would say, I'd say maybe even less than 50% of it is how I would really run, uh, the league, uh, any of the leagues, uh, I've I, draft, I, Jeff Stainfield came up with the way eventually how we draft, um, the same thing with how to play the season. Uh, originally, it used to be we would play, you'd get the database on, on Monday, and Sunday night would be the deadline. And then one year, one season, shortly into the Odyssey, maybe our second or third season, I had a, a, one of the members just wrote me and he said, you know, with Sunday night being the deadline for the play week, that really kind of puts the a damper on the weekend. I, you know, I'm married. I got two kids. I, I'm sure there's other guys in the league that are the same way. And now I got to try to fit a football game in before the deadline. And he goes, some guys wait till Sunday. And now Sunday night, I got to play a football game. Next thing you know, I change it to Wednesday being the day you get the database. Tuesday's the deadline. That way the weekend is basically almost in the middle and you don't have to play it on in on the weekend, and uh, that just worked. Uh, that was some guy wrote me, and I can't even remember who it was back in the second or third season of the Odyssey that wrote me that. And I, 
it was one of those where, why did I make it Monday to Sunday night? I think because I wanted to kind of make it look like we finished up on Sunday, like, like the NFL finishes the majority of their games on Sunday. But you know, that that's, th- those are just two aspects of the, those, those, the football leagues. That th- those weren't my ideas. And uh, same thing with the baseball league. I, I didn't, uh, Jeff Stainfield came to me with the drafting of minor leaguers. He was in a league that had that, uh, option in the rookie draft and how much it changed the value of the rookie draft because you know you're gambling on the minor league or making it to the major leagues in two years at the same time when you're drafting a minor leaguer you're now leaving one more guy on the free agent board who can play for somebody right now and you just got to be open-minded I, and and I, I evolved into that you know, and I try not to look at it all as being my league, my league. I, I really try to refrain from saying that. It's really the leagues I run because I really do. I really feel we got we got great members in, in the three football leagues and the baseball league. And I uh, got some high strung guys, but, you know, they they seem to calm right down. And I'll tell you what, Chris. You probably maybe haven't experienced it, but when whenever there is a guy that wants to bark or start trouble or not even trouble, just stir the pot immediately. I know the two or three guys that are going to weigh in and tell the guy to cool his jets. You know that that happened a couple of weeks ago, and it, it didn't Jason take, Kearns it didn't when, take, when he didn't ran Snyder's team. <laughs> that Schneider's got, that got nipped pretty good. <laughs> Schneider's won three champ. The guy doesn't know anything. Kearns doesn't. And Schneider's won three championships in six years, and he's telling me you need to throw him out of the league. Have you looked at his team? Not throwing anybody. It's his team. <laughs> I thought that was like you said. Oh. It, it was policed without you having to get involved to the end. So that's a testament again right. to the membership. Right. And the and the longer guys are in any of the four leagues, the baseball and the three football leagues, they know that I get the unwritten rule. Don't send out anything like that to the whole league. Approach me. Approach me one on one, because I I don't I've been in leagues where everything. How about when you're in a league and they got a bulletin board and everybody's weighing in on everything? It ends up just being all you do is argue. You got to have a guy that runs the league, and you hope that he's a guy that'll listen to other guys that have. There's times I'm ready to blow, and I'll I'll call Jeff up and I'm screaming and yelling. And I'm a, and Jeff will be like. Hey, calm down. You know, you know what you're, you, you, you know, there's nothing new with so-and-so just let it go or write, write him heads up and tell him look, whatever, whatever the issue is. But no, uh, yeah, the Jason Kearns thing. I mean, I was, <laughs> but immediately Randy Savigny, Paul Brown, I did It's just like, yeah, those guys are dynamite. It's supposed and, to and be, really it's a did. hobby. It's supposed to be fun. Right. Right. And I, and I really did appreciate the uh, comments everybody said the other day. It really makes you realize that guys do appreciate the work you put in because there's it's kind of a thankless job. But I mean, it's also, you know, you're you're putting everything into it because it's your passion. I mean, I I no one's got a gun to my head saying, you know, run these leagues the way you run them. And uh yeah, the last time we talked, I told you communication to me is so important to have things 
to make your to 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 try to create an environment too where guys uh feel comfortable interacting either trading or uh sometimes guys will send out a something will happen and a guy will send out a a kind of a joke email and the next thing you know four or five guys are weighing in and that's all great stuff i mean that to me shows you the strength of the league you know as as we kind of wrap up here there's a couple couple things i wanted to ask it's especially for you've been doing this for so long if you look five to ten years out do you see much changing in the hobby you know something i think all guys like us who play this concern us the youth and this has been going on for many years they all like the madden thing you know um my sons both played this. Um, Brian, in fact, was in the big for three or four years, but then he started a family and he got away from it. And he, he'll still ask me about it all. I don't know, Chris. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what the numbers are out there. Like how many units does Stratomatic sell? How many units does action PC games sell? of their products. Um, yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's high. And that, that's one of the reasons that I was asking you the question, because if your action PC baseball, your app, a Stratomatic, would you change much about those games or especially in the football game for action PC football? There's, it, it, it's a great game. Is, is there anything they need to do between that game and Madden? There's, there's a pretty wide, uh, there's a pretty wide opening, if you ask me. So I didn't know if you yes. saw an opportunity there. You think everything's fine and they keep going? Or should a guy yeah. like Dave Koch be like, man, I, I'm really worried that, you know, how, how long will, will I be able to go? How, how long will all us old guys be buying copies of this game? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I think I, years ago, and I haven't done it in a while. I might do it again. Um probably five years ago or more, I put a thing out to the league. Uh, let's get to, let's get to know each other. And it was like, uh, what's your age? What's your age, education, career, family, and other interests kind of do kind of biographical thing on everybody. And, uh, I got some great stuff. It was great. I mean, I was, it surprised me. Uh, you're right. Uh, not many young guys. Like I have, uh, you told me Brandon Murray's a young guy. He is, um, loves it too, by the way. Yeah, I can tell by the stuff I get from him, you know, and he, and, and he reached 40 in the, in the Rosenblatt, he reached the 40 player limit and he still wanted to keep drafting. And that, that all shows me enthusiasm. And he's obviously studied the players and he's prepared. And, and I just don't know our world has become so visual that like playing a game where the outcome is, you know, you're reading a, a printout of the outcome of the play. Yeah. This um, clunky kind of ball getting hit out there and the, and the weird delayed transcript of the, of the game, which I love yes. by the way, but my son looks at me like I'm nuts. 
Oh, so does Robert. <laughs> Robert comes home and he's got Madden and he's got the soccer and he's got, you know, right, uh, right. all the all the college guys are playing that stuff. And although he has sat, he's sat and helped me coach games and stuff, he, you know, and he knows terrific. He knows the game. He knows the games uh, and he knows how to coach. But you're right. Um, they look at us like, oh, my God. And if we brought out the dice and the cards and the charts, they might have us locked up. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> hey, could you sharpen my number two pencil? I got a game tonight. I got I to gotta do the box score. Like, and, I need, and I need 30 <laughs> copies of the score sheet because I'm out. Right. Yeah, I remember. Right. <laughs> needed the Xerox oh, copier at work Chris. to make copies of the score sheet. Oh, the best thing that ever happened in that era was Kinko's came out. <laughs> you can go, you go to Kinko's yeah. and drop off all your crap and go, "Hey, I'll take five hundred of each." I remember. I'll be back. I'll be back this afternoon. I remember that. Dear what? God, because I re- I did the newsletter for the big league, and uh, oh my God, I'd do the master copy and I'd drop it off at Kinko's and it'd be like in the old days. I used to there was a I think it was a library that I went to and, and it was like, I don't know how much a sheet. And I, I would actually print off 24 newsletters at the, at one of the libraries here in town. And a lot of times their copier was garbage. You know, oh, the quality of some of the newsletters that went out was horrible, but then Kinko's hit the scene and it was great. I had the Kinko guy that knew me all the time. And anyway, I just, I think our hobby is what it is. Um, you know, and I, there's a part of me that says everything eventually comes back. And, um, I, 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 on Facebook, I follow a sport. There's a sports simulation games group on Facebook that, uh, I, I'm, I, I joined and I, I, I pulled away from it a couple of weeks ago because it just became too much, but you'd be amazed at how many guys are still out there playing charts, dice and cards uh, versions of all our sport. And also uh, the number of action PC, Stratomatic and APA and replay um, computer game players. But I got a, I got a feeling they're all in the age group of like 45 to 70. Yeah, I know. And, and I'm, I kind of worry about that. But at the same time, I'm kind of like you. I think there might be a rebirth for interest in this because I, there, there's a lot to this hobby that then meets the eye. And, and I think you've given people a, a good understanding of that. But the interaction with people over time, the amount of knowledge you really need to compete in these leagues and then yes. how well these sports simulations actually end up recreating the season and, and, and valuing the players, I still think thinks outstanding, but yes. And let me tell you something that Dave Koch uh, said to me a couple of years ago. Uh, when I first started playing, I, I, Dave now is so busy that he basically communicates just email, which leads me to believe that he's selling more units and he's, he's, you know, the golf game I heard is the best of his products. Um, I think that's the only one anyway, I haven't bought. I, I have everyone but that one, and I love golf, so I'll have to try that. You should, I, and I, I should get it. Um, Chick Wade had it, and I played it once at Chick's many several about four years ago. Um, 
what Dave said to me about the football game, because he started taking some heat probably about eight, nine years ago. Um, players, players doing things that they didn't do in real life. Like a guy returned a kick for a touchdown and he didn't have a kick return for a touchdown in, in real life. Uh, he intercepted a pass and ran it in for a touchdown. Dave told me that he wanted, he said it's football. Every player in the game uh, should have the ability to do anything football related. The percentages, depending on whether they did it or not, are going to be higher or very, very low. But point in fact, if it can happen on a football field, it should be able to happen. And he even mentioned as in Madden. And he said his son, Ryan, who is his main IT guy, has influenced him a lot in that direction. So his son, Ryan, I got, is, an, is a Madden player who wants to introduce to the game. Now, it won't have the graphics, but the ability of a player, every player can do everything football related. Now, there's going to be percentages to that based on, you know, what they did in real life. But how many have you? I mean, I've had guys I've had guys who their longest kick return in real life was like 72 yards. And I've had them return one for a touchdown. Yeah, it usually happens on the the other side. My opponent usually has that kind of luck, not me. That's how everybody sees it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you, brother. Yeah. (laughs) And that's when I'm getting ready to take my laptop and throw it right out the front door. <laughs> well, philosophically, he's he is right, and there's a randomness to the simulation, so some of that yes. things are going to happen. So, I, yes. I don't know, I don't know how much crap he would have to take on it, but I could, I, I understand. Quite, he, he took quite yeah. a bit of flack, did he? He did, and I, and I'll tell you why. You and I, and the majority of the guys in these leagues, we grew up playing Apple football, Stratomatic, whatever. And those guys, they could only do what was on that card. If there was no kick return for a touchdown on Joe Blow's kick return column, because he didn't return one for a touchdown in real life, he wasn't going to return a kick for a touchdown for you. And that's what Coke's argument was. He goes, why do I want to limit these guys to where something out of the ordinary can't happen. He goes, and then he pointed out, he goes, take any Sunday, the 13 or 12, the 12 or 13 games that are played on a Sunday or 14 that are played on a Sunday. And how many out of the ordinary plays happen? Unexplained performances happen. He goes, and I want that. I want, I want a chance for that to happen in my football game. I think he's right. I I do too. I mean, it took a while to get used to it because we were, we would draft guys thinking, you know, uh, I want this guy, this guy can return, you know, this guy can't return a kick for a touchdown, but he's got a 28 yard average, you know, or, or draft guys um, or have a guy 
you can't really look at it draft wise. You got to look at it. What you were saying about somebody does it against you. Uh, a guy who never intercepted a pass all of a sudden balls batted some defensive end intercepts it against you. And you're going, what, what do you mean? Yeah. But it happens. If you're coming from the context of the cards, that that makes more sense to me. But at the same time, the cards were so darn limiting and you could always, you could always tell when the cards were released, everybody saw the anomalies and all of a sudden some odd trades would start to happen. And, and the that funny all, card. Yeah, that's that all, exactly that right. always drove me crazy. That's exactly right. Guys would go, I want to get a I need a couple more funny cards because all of a sudden you're exactly right. And he said he goes, I don't want to have I don't want to have a football game. I don't want to have it where guy kicks a field goal, goes up four points with a minute to play, kicking off to you. You got he's if you've got a guy with a kick who can return a kick for a touchdown, he's going to squib kick or angle kick. And if you got a, nobody that can return when he's going to kick deep to you and that that's going to give you a chance. There's a, but we've never seen what the what the random number, how how big the grid is on the random number thing that he random number generator that he has for the game. It might be one in 10,000 that a guy's going to, who never returned a kick for a TD, but you're going to hit it. It's going to happen, right? I think that is as fun a simulation as I've played. I, I think he, I think he nailed it on that one. And I actually agree with him. Yeah. So final, final question. I'm going to let you go yes. on this Saturday afternoon. Cause you actually yeah. have nice weather. I don't have anything. Uh, <laughs> So I'm a Cub fan. We don't have Joe Madden. We have David Ross, and Theo Epstein seems to be sleeping at the wheel. Talk to us, Cub fans. What's going on? Well, I, you know, they want the rumor is they're going to trade Chris Bryant. They just got to the, the ruling has to come down. I've heard two things. I've heard the Cubs don't have the money to spend, uh, and that Chris Bryant they're they're waiting on whether he's going to be a free agent after this season or 2021. And when that is finally decided, they're going to trade him. And um, I, I, I don't know what happened to that ball club. Uh, you think you too many, one... too many draft picks gone for the world series? Do you think? This yes. Completed, yeah. Think? Yeah. Yeah. The Chapman deal. Yes. Yes. They, they gave up, they sold the, they sold the ranch. But I think I think I really think what uh, Epstein was uh, hoping was that some of the guys, some of the guys, lesser prospect types might be better than advertised and fill in the gaps and and fill in the gaps with those guys. Also, some lesser free agents they could sign would be better than advertised and it just hasn't worked out that way how many they've they've all regressed i oh, mean it's yeah it's been bad i mean it's ian hap ian hap you know he's shown flashes um almora almora showed flashes uh uh hayward chat um tyler chatwood i mean you tyler know. chatwood i uh, um what john lester became 100 years old <laughs> So his, um, but his arm still hasn't fallen off yet. Brandon, right. Brandon, uh, Mar- Brandon Morrow did his normal thing and fell apart when we got him. Yeah. 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 
It's amazing. And I don't, I, you know, I, I was never a big uh, Joe Madden fan. I never really thought, I never thought his, I, I always felt like his, that uh, kooky, uh, savant type act of his, you, 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 you got grown men you're supposed to be managing. To have them all wear pajamas on a road trip. And, yeah, that's good for year one and two. Yeah, bring in a you know bring in a giraffe into the clubhouse or whatever the hell he brought in there a zebra or some bullshit. I mean, <laughs> it just you know it wears thin quick. You know, and then you had some guy. I mean, you had you got you got like what two good years out of Arietta, who in my opinion's a cheat. Uh, you know, look at his numbers in Baltimore. No one no one gets that much better five six years down the road without. You know, and he and he's he's been uh, accused of steroids. He claims it's, it's hanging not the upside, Pilates. It's not the Pilates hanging upside down <laughs> and doing yoga or whatever it was. Right. It's the Pilates every picture. Thing, yeah. Every picture, every picture would be hanging upside down and doing yoga or Pilates. <laughs> exactly. You know, so you it's don't like think that's it. Right. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Now he's all broken down. It's uh, yeah. No. And take a look at his build. I mean, you remember. But anyway, no, I, I just. I Epstein, I think, uh, overplayed his hand and, uh, I don't think Madden really for the long haul was the right guy to be the manager. Uh, you got the one championship and, and realistically you could have really kicked that away. That, that, that was what a seven game world series. 10th inning. Yeah. It took, yeah. It, it took everything we had to win that. one. Right. I, I don't know why there's why they want to hold on to Schwarber. Uh, you know, he's perfect for the American League as a DH. Um, you know, there's no doubt about it. The guy, as far as uh, hitting hitting the ball, but I mean, he's not consistent. Uh, what is he, a 240 hitter for his career? 230 hitter for his career? Not what they thought. Yeah. Yeah, they, he's, they have him targeted as a 300 hitter. So, it, like you said, nobody really meeting the expectations. And even Chris no. Bryant, compared to the MVP season, no. really hasn't been no. the same. No, no, he hasn't. Uh, Baez is a really good player. Um, Addison Russell ended up being a bum off the field. Uh, and not really as good as advertised on the field, I don't think, either. Um Rizzo, Rizzo's the one guy, uh, but I, I don't know. He's a first baseman. I mean, you had, you had a lot of other, I thought, I thought they'd get more than one world series out of the bunch they had three years ago. Yeah. And I'm sure you did too. We did. We did. So that, that's, what's kind of disappointing. And, uh, but I, but I always like to get your feedback on it. I know you're excited for spring training, so. Do you have a few weeks yeah, left? boy, the twins. I mean, the twins adding Josh Donaldson. I mean, my God, we're gonna have, uh, you know, we got a heck, and all the young guy. I mean, Nelson Cruz is the senior statesman, but my God, uh, the rest of the team, uh, Cruz and Donaldson aside, I mean, Kepler, Buxton, Rosario, Arise, uh, Polanco, Sano. I mean, they've got uh, Garver. They've got the twins really. Pitching's going to be their big thing again. Because um, Pineda's out, right, for a while. No, he's back. He's back. Okay. I think. I think. I think. I think his suspension. I think. You know, he's. Have you ever seen him in person? No. 
he's a big guy. Chris, he's like six seven. Uh, he looks like the man. He looks like Ted Hendricks, the Mad Stork. <laughs> only at about two hundred and eighty five pounds. That's a that's a, that's a big boy right there. Lord. He could he he could. Chris, he could tie his shoes standing up. He's got like you know like the arms. His arm his wingspan is greater than his height. Well, wouldn't you say Minnesota has to has to win Creativity of the Year award in 2019 for piecing that team together? It's kind of an amazing, oh. amazing job. Oh. You know, Theo gets all the credit from, you know, four or five years ago. He's not been anything. He's been really not creative at all. And this little twins team out of nowhere right. put it together. It's, it's got to be fun I, for you to watch. Absolutely. And I've, I've always said, too, I've always said I'm not a big Theo Epstein guy because here's why. Give me three hundred million dollars, and I can I can build a ball club for you too. I'll go and get this guy and sign, and I'll sign this. I'll sign uh, Arietta. I'll bring in Lester. I'll, you know, the teams that impress me, of course. Now you got the the stealing the stealing signs and the buzzer crap with the Astros, but the Twins and the Astros and the Oakland A's, whose budgets are like zippity doodah at one time. I mean. Those are general managers right there, right. man. I mean, when you got like one third the budget of some of these teams, isn't it crazy? It 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 really yeah, it, it really is. That's what that's what's kind of I almost considered embarrassing, and, and I'm on the Cubs side, but I'm I'm looking forward to spring training starting. Look fo- look forward to baseball starting, and sure. hopefully we can get past all of the uh, Houston Astros debacle, but. Yeah, I, I don't want gonna, that wreck. Yeah, I'm with you. Up. I don't want, I don't want that wreck in the season. And I think it could, because I, I, I don't know if it. I don't think it's been resolved, and I'm, I'm afraid more crap's going to come out. These things are always like that, where this is like the tip of the iceberg. I'm afraid right. of, and it's going right. to keep snowballing. But yeah, Brandon, this has been this has been a fun, fun conversation. I appreciate Great. you taking us down memory lane on the sports. I've enjoyed it too, and. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your day, and, and I, I want to thank you again for being my first guest. Chris, thank you. I, I really appreciate the opportunity, and it's always great to talk to you. Okay, take care. You too.